people go about their call as ministers, one important factor that determines to a great extent how people go about God's work is how they see it. Various people have various opinions about God's work. And various people who are called by God have various opinions about the call of God. And you discover most of the time that when people go about their call in a particular way, or they go about doing God's work in a particular way because of how they see it, how they see the call, or how they see the work of God, generally speaking. In the word of God, you see this principle. That before God expects you and I to do anything for him, the first thing he does is to give us a vision. A vision. The word vision is the word, in the Greek is the word horasis. H-O-R-A-S-I-S. Or horama. And what that simply means is viewpoint or coming into view. So the first thing God affects if he wants people to walk is that he gives them something to see. And how we see that thing therefore is what will either help us walk right or make us walk wrong. How do you see it? How do you see the call of God? The way you see it will affect or condition your heart. Lamentation chapter 3 verse 51 he said my eyes affected my heart the way you see will affect your heart and the way your heart is influenced will affect the way you walk if you want to correct people in terms of how they walk you need to first of all correct them how they see it most time people walk the way they walk because of the way they see the work of god by the grace of god this evening i'll be sharing with you very many different ways in which people see god's work and that is what affects them and that is what affects the way they go about it. If people are not walking as they should, it means they are not seeing what they should. If they see it right, the likely possibility is that they will walk it fine. You will see in the scripture we read in Isaiah chapter 1, the first thing God said to Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah, that, that we read in Jeremiah chapter 1, the first thing God said to Jeremiah is in Jeremiah 1.10. He said, see, Jeremiah was saying, I'm a child. You see, because he was seeing God's work as being for a category of people. He had a presumption, he had an assumption of what God was, was supposed to be. God already said, before I formed you, I knew you, before I brought you forth, I ordained you as the father, as a prophet of the nations. But he responded by saying, ah, Lord God, I cannot go. Why? He said, I'm a child. But God said, ah, you go to the place that I command and the work that I give you, shall you speak? Do not be afraid of their faces. For I'm with thee to deliver thee. Then he told him, he said, see, he corrected his vision. He gave him an insight. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 6 verse 22, he said, the eye is the light of the body. Actually, the literal Greek says, it is the direction in which the eyes goes that the body follows. You know as well as I do that, if you are going to walk a particular place, it's what your eyes see that determines where you put your feet. So it's very always good for us to know that the reason why people do come late to church, for example, the reason why people don't pay their tithes, for example, the reason why people are not committed to anything in the church and are not serious about anything they are doing is because of how they see it. The eye is the light of the body. If your eye is single, 
your whole body you see the eye affects the body your whole body shall be full of light many many times that is where we need to correct people we need to correct them in terms of what they are seeing for as long as we can do that we cannot begin to produce results in terms of the direction in which people are going the word of god has a lot of things to say about eye vision and i believe that one of the things i prayed for since i became a child of god and i've been involved in the work of the ministry is god let me always see the right thing i'm supposed to see so that i can walk in the way in which i'm supposed to walk the bible tells us in matthew 13 verse 16 jesus said blessed are your eyes for the see and your ears for the hear in second king chapter 6 verse 16 and 17 the prophet of god prayed for his, 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 servant, his servant he said lord open his eyes that is why the psalmist said in Psalm 119 verse 18 open my eyes that i may behold wondrous things that is why paul prayed for the Ephesian christians in Ephesians 1 18 he said that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened most of the time people are reluctant to release themselves to god's work because of how they see it how they see the work of god how they see the call of god and i'm going to share with you about seven eight nine ten different negative notions and conclusions as to how people see god's work and i'm now going to share with you about six different ways god wants you to see your call and god also wants you to see the work that he has called you to do because if you don't see it right there is no way you can respond properly if you don't see it properly there is no way so god told jeremiah said see see i have this day made you ahead of other nations to root out to destroy to throw down to uproot then he says to build and to plant then he asked him he said see i want you to see it it's a concluded assignment before you started it i have cleared the road i've made the road plain i know the end from the beginning what you are going to be is already settled i've already done my own part he said so what do you see then he said in barcelona he said, what do you see and jeremiah now haven't been affected haven't been corrected he said i see a rod like that of an armor tree <laughs> and god said good i've helped you he said you have seen well actually the literal hebrew says you are a good observer which means he's been able to catch the vision the bible tells us in habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 he said write the vision he said make it plain that he may run running comes after you can grasp it if there is a fault with your running then there is something wrong with what you are reading you see because if you are not running as you're supposed to run you're not fighting like you're supposed to fight if you're not responding like you're supposed to respond then the little area of correction is eyesight correction all you need is a little bit of eyesight correction in ministry the words of ecclesiastes 6 9 is very true he said better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of desires i always tell people this and this has been my heart's desire and my conclusion as far as god's call upon my life is concerned i know where i'm going nobody needs to tell me to do this or do that because from the beginning i always say god open my eyes that which i see not show down me if i'm going off bring me back to the place where i belong because if you want to get people to walk then you have to get them first of all to see until they see right there is little they can do and until they do right there is little god can fulfill when jeremiah saw right god said i will hasten my word to bring them to pass you saw it your heart is well affected 
your actions are right he said that i will come in because until some of these things happen you discover that many people say i'm in ministry but things are tough and rough things are not working the kind of results i expect to see i'm not seeing it the kind of uh, uh, gain that i expect to begin to observe in my efforts it seems that i'm working more than i'm getting the reason is what you are looking at and what you are seeing is quite different from what god wants you to see people come in with various things they see ministry but allow god to correct you the way he corrected jeremiah he allow god to correct you the way he corrected gideon gideon said ah wait oh. <laughs> ministry is not for people from poor families that's what he said he said my family is poor in manasseh and i'm the last in my father's house what gideon was saying is this look if you have a poor family you are not supposed to be in ministry and if you have a poor family and you are the last in your house you are not supposed to enter into ministry your senior brothers should be the one ahead they should be the one to enter into ministry <laughs> but god corrected him the prophet of god i mean the angel of god that spoke to him corrected him saul also had an opinion about the call of god when god called saul to become the king ah saul said my family is small in manasseh i mean my family is small i'm from a very small family and uh, this thing cannot be the way you're expecting me to respond there are various people see and that's what respond the way they walk what you see affects your heart and remember that out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. and remember that you need to keep your heart with diligence for out of them are the forces but the heart itself is affected by what you see so understand that this night as we begin to look at god's word in the direction of the message of today what do you see god again spoke to the same jeremiah in jeremiah 24 3 said jeremiah what's yes thou you see god was working on what they saw if you look at the book of amos god said again to amos amos 7 8 amos 8 2 he said amos what's yes thou in the book of zechariah you see god again working on what zechariah saw the bible tells us in the book of zechariah chapter 4 verse 2 chapter 5 verse 2 is that an angel of the lord said unto zechariah zechariah what's yes thou so what you see is important because that's a way of conditioning your response that the eyes of understanding may be enlightened that we may know as it were the hope of his calling if our eyes are open there is a way in which it gives us assurance and quietness within and makes us confident and determined and ready to do exactly what god wants us to do this night by god's grace i want to look at some wrong ways people look at the call of god some some wrong ways in which people look at the work not just the work of god the call of god but ministry generally and i will tell you one of the reasons why they look at it like that i'll tell you some of the reasons why people look at it like that now the first wrong assumption or wrong way people see the call the wrong the first wrong way people look at the, the the call of god and the work of god is that some people see the call of god upon their lives and the work of the ministry as something in which they are involved in a competition with others some people think well in ministry we are competing this church is competing with that church this man is competing with that man this man wants to prove that he's better than that man he can preach better he can heal faster he is a more energetic preacher and teacher 
and that is one thing that is very common you see it all over the places you see most of the things you see people trying to outdo one another people trying to give the impression that they are the answer to everybody's problem is because they see ministry as a place of competition they see ministry and the call of god as something you need to do better than someone else and i always said this since i was since i answered the call of god i have come to realize that all of us are entered for different races all of us are called to be different things and there is nothing about how good somebody is that obstructs another person's performance nobody should and can make you feel inferior if you don't allow it nobody's better than you you are the best of your kind nobody can do what you're supposed to do better than the way you are doing it we are not in competition we are in complementarity no one ministry is a solution to all the problems no one ministry can gain the whole world you see but you see ministry saying we are the fastest that word fastest is a competitive language we are the biggest that word biggest is a competitive phrase we are the most anointed that word most anointed is a competitive phrase now christ spoke against this spirit of competition those who are complete in christ do not compete in christ no matter what you do just know that whatever god has called you to do you are the best in doing it for yourself god told me this long ago is that you are your only competitor i said why is that you are the only one who can improve on what you did yesterday by improving on what you did yesterday by having a, a hunger and a thirst to improve on what you did yesterday today in the way you go about it you are only a competitor everybody is entered for different races the bible says in hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 he said we are foreseen that we are encompassed with so great a cloud of witness let us lay aside every weight and the sin that also is beset us that we may run with patience the race that is set before us one translation of that scripture says the race we have been entered for you are entered for a different race the person who is throwing javelin in athletics is not competing against the person throwing short foot the person who is running 100 meters is not competing against somebody who's running 400 meters everybody have their own lane and somebody else's performance does not hinder me i don't feel bothered i don't feel threatened by anybody i always tell people this since i was a young minister i never bother if you have your church in this motor park it doesn't bother me in fact if you want put it right in front it doesn't bother me but i believe that people should not behave in ministry as if today they are competing that is in ministry is not a place for competing whatever your hand trying to do do with all your might make sure you put in your best into whatever little you are doing don't look at it that i'm trying to outdo that person we are trying to get all the people we are trying to get all the land we are trying to be the greatest the biggest the highest that's why you see in nigeria you see bishop and then somebody says no i'm not even i don't want to be a bishop i want to be an archbishop as i say that that's not even enough you know what they are doing they are trying to beat one another to it that's the kiss of death christ spoke against such spirits among his apostles he told them he said the, the person who shall be called greatest will be the least the one who serves the one who washed the feet of the people no need to compete james and john had this spirit of competition their mother got involved in it and their mother went to jesus christ because the mother of james and john was a relative of jesus's mother she wanted to use her influence and so she went to jesus and said please i want you to grant me a wonderful request you know these my two my two sons 
have donated them to you for your ministry i want you in the kingdom that is coming one of them to sit on your right i don't want so that there'll be no space for other people you know competitive jealousy that's not ministry if you see yourself trying to outdo somebody if you see yourself striving with somebody to be the preeminent to be the head being in any position is something that god can only set you and god have set in the church god is one who makes us he said follow me and i will make you he's one who puts us in whatever position if you're prominent you have that prominence by god's grace it is not because you advertise but you advertise so much or you are so good but people look at ministry and the call of god and the work of the ministry are something they compete they compete they come to we are the fastest growing we, we have the largest crowd our tent is the biggest tent who are you competing again i mean if you keep competing against people is there somebody who is running 400 meters saying i'm faster than somebody running 100 meters there's no ground for comparison at all even if you are prophets both of you are prophets even if you are pastor god has not sent let me say this to you god has not sent every pastor to every person you can you see you have to know the kind of people god has sent you to if you're a teacher god has given you a trumpet to blow blow it and don't say because this other project is making more money you are going to blow it if you're not called to it you will make the money but you kill yourself there are riches that take away the soul of the owner there are things that are not just good for us so we are not competing we are complementing and completing one another the strength of the pastor is the weakness of the evangelist the weakness of the evangelist is the strength of the pastor the pastor needs the evangelist the evangelist is the pastor the prophet's strength is not the evangelist strength or the teacher's strength so you need one another just like these are fingers these fingers are usually used to describe the fivefold ministry all of these fingers are very significant if one of them is missing your hand will not function properly this thumb is compared to the office of the apostle it grips and holds every other finger in place this one is compared to the office of the prophet it points foretelling and foretelling this one is compared to the office of the evangelist it is the longest the evangelist always reaches to the hinder part to the unreachable he touches the untouchable he goes to regions that are beyond this other finger is this other finger is the love finger it carries the wedding ring it carries the signet this is the love finger and this other one is the teacher you see this one that is the, the is, 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 is the carries the love ring is the pastor he laid down his life for the sheep but this other one is the teacher's ministry it enters into the ears it's the only one that you use in enter you can't use this properly but this one is likely to enter most here holes if you have a normal size <laughs> But if the kind of size you have is not normal, then we may have a problem on our hand. So what am I saying? You see, all of them are important. If not, God will not give us all of them. They are diverse. They complement. They are not competing. The work of one is not the work of the other one. And so you cannot say, because I'm here, nobody else will survive. You need everyone. Everyone needs you as well. You see? And when you need everyone and everyone needs you, then you understand why we are not competing at all until we all come in the unity of the faith we have to come in the unity of the faith unto the perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ we need to come that's why Ephesians 4 3 says endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace 
so we are not competing have that if somebody wants to the bible says preferring one another if somebody wants want to sing and is good at leading singing give it to him you see i always tell people this we must learn to understand what we can do and what we cannot do better if you know somebody around is better at doing something give it to him i know that i pray a lot but i know that i am not called to be an intercessor i pray a lot personally i have always prayed all my life but i know that if i need somebody to lead intercessory prayer i will invite pastor lua femi to lead i will invite pastor where to lead i don't have to do that if i have them so i don't have to be a jack of all trade a master of none i mean i tell her okay go ahead and lead go ahead and pray go ahead and lead the people in prayer now not because i don't pray but opportunity causes you specialize in that which you are best is that not so i know i can preach better than she does even if she goes to fuller theological seminary today and call her phd i know i'm better and that's it so what i'm saying is this what i'm good at i'm good at and if i need somebody else i bring him in i know i love leading praise and worship and songs but if carl is around why do i bother myself i can croak like a toad because i also worship god in my room and worship god when i was coming this evening i was singing a very powerful song those who are in the car were looking at me i mean that single that making melody in your heart to the lord i'm not saying it is a make melody in your heart to the people there are people who specialize in speaking to the people but me i speak to god in, in singing that's my specialization i take a special number i sing to god he doesn't say the key is not right it's you people who know that the key is not right god god said make a joyful noise noise and i just do that so i understand that we are not competing please this spirit of competition should be eradicated in whatever you are doing don't try to see yourself out. at times i see hod's quarrel why are you quarreling all of us are interested in furthering the kingdom of god why do you now think that this person of talking you know, just do your own part follow your lane and get to the place where god has called you to number two another wrong way in which people see the call of god and the work of the ministry is that some people see the work of god and they, they see the call of god as a marketplace i will explain that to you they see the work of god and they call as a call to better their lifestyle and to become rich they see the call of god as a business venture <laughs> i always say this gain is not godliness but godliness with contentment is gain the call of God into the ministry is not a call to make money. If you see it like that, you see why? Because some people see it like that. It's a call to better my life. You see that when they are in ministry, everything they are doing is trying to better their life. They are trying to improve their standard of living and alleviate poverty as the answer to the call of God. I said this to people and I give honor to God. If I knew in the very minutest detail, that the call of god brings prosperity probably i've never been, i wouldn't have answered it and i always tell people this if you really want to make money you don't have to be in the ministry there are faster ways of making good money so if you think the call of god is not you see when you see something the extent of some people go steal offering raise building pledges and embezzle it not accountable in any manner to to explain how monies are spent not ready to follow biblically laid down procedures for accountability and everything when you look at how buildings and walls and gates and temples were prosecuted 
you will see that they had people who kept records money and materials were not just used without accountability but because some people see the work of the Lord as a, a, a quick way to riches a quick way to breakthrough a quick way to better their lifestyle you see them that the, the way they are working is because of what they see I remember someone told me recently he said ah I did not know there was so much money in church business oh look at that I mean that kind of a person you know that he will go to any extent even if there is money in the matter of a corpse you will collect it and I know people in this country whose ministry have been ruined because they lost focus they started seeing God's work as more of a business thing more of it I remember some years ago I was in a particular church and after the service the, the, the secretary of the church came to the church and said it, it, it made my stomach was upside it's like the owner of the store is asking the the, 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 the treasurer hello you know it's like the opening of the church is like the opening of another arm of his business efforts <laughs> and i can tell you that you can make the gold but you may not make it the heaven because you see it's one thing what shall it profit a man the bible says if you gain the whole world and lose you see let me say this to you there is something people who have that kind of vision lose some of them lose the anointing i know people who lost the anointing because the church was now or the ministry was now looked upon as more of a business venture they lost the anointing you can't keep both you can't keep both he said if you gain the world if your heart desires to gain the world he said you lose you lose there is going to be a losing part of it so but there are people there who think the ministry is a is a way to get a better life it's a way to get a better life it's a way to like improve their standard it's like a marketplace a business a shop a store that you open and they think well and whatever they are doing i remember i went to a particular church listen to this and someone asked me he said what are you going to preach on the pastor and i said why do you bother about that why should you bother about what i'm going to preach on and he said one of the most profane things i've ever had in my life he said excuse me sir whatever you preach on make sure it gets money out of the people's pocket now <laughs> immediately he said that to me i knew that he was a hireling i knew he was a commercial pastor i knew that he had no business in the ministry whatever i said to the people i should make sure we know ministry needs money but integrity provides help let integrity and uprightness preserve we know there are pressures but you see you don't have to pressurize yourself into things you know you should not the Yoruba says there is no push me I push you except you allow somebody else to push you don't ever want to buy something you cannot afford don't ever want to buy something you don't have the resources to be able to back up ministry can have demands if you don't have the means yet or the faith to go on TV no need to go on TV stay with the little thing you are preaching stay with it people can advise you they can counsel you why don't you start why don't you do this tell them to everything i know when the time of god comes i'm going to do that this all we shall do if the lord permit apostle paul did not allow anybody to push him beyond the reach of his face open to romans chapter 15 here romans 15 i want us to read something apostle paul said it blessed me years ago i have never exercised myself in things that are beyond me i have never tried to push myself into areas and into things that i'm not capable of yet okay i think is uh, for uh, second corinthians rather 
2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10. I read from verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I read from verse 11. This is God's word. He said, let such as one think this, that such as we are in words by letter when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. I believe I'm the best person as far as the work God has called me to do is. And I don't see myself competing with anybody else. When, I, when somebody else is preaching, I don't feel anything. I listen to him. I get something from him. No matter how wise you are, you can even learn something from a fool. Verse 13, he said, but we will not boast of things without our measure. This is the reason for debt. People are trying to ride V-boots when they don't have bicycle feet. He said, we will not boast of things beyond our measure. What I don't have faith for, listen to me. Even if somebody gives me and I don't have faith for it, I will not be able to maintain it. Years ago, somebody gave me a panel van. That was the level of my faith. When someone gave me a message, ben, I had faith then to be able to keep it on the road. And I can tell you that if somebody give me an aircraft now, I may not have faith to keep it working. So I have to grow in faith before I can maintain an aircraft. So I'm not going to say, I believe God for a aircraft when I don't have the faith to keep it. There is nothing in a gift if you cannot keep it in the best of shapes. But many people want something. A student, for example, you want a V-boot. Or Toyota Camry, 2004. What will you do with it, rascal? You don't need that. What you need is clothes and food to eat in your school. That's what you need. You see, those are wishes. They are not really need. God supplied need. And not things that will fulfill our fancies. No. When your faith is increased, God, look at what Paul here said. Let's read on here. He said, but we will not boast of things without our measure. But according to the measure of the rule which God has displayed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure. As though we reach not unto you, for we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other men's labor, but having hope, that is it. He said, we are, we are come as far as this, but I have hope. What hope does he have? But having hope when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you. When your faith is increased, then we will go on. We will get better. We will rise up. We will now build a house. There was a, a couple of years ago when it was a tug of war for me to believe for rent month after month. It wasn't easy. But I went from believing from month to month rent to believing for annual rent until I had faith to be able to build a house. <laughs> so I won't say I want to build a house when I don't have the faith yet. So please note that. The, the ministry or the work of God is not a marketplace. It's not a place of making money or spending money. Because some people measure success by the amount of money you possess. Luke 12 15. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he put. The quality of a man's life is not in the size of his bank account. Your life and your relationship with God is the outer measure of a man's life because God is one that is full with the bond, bundles of life. The Bible says in Proverbs, I mean, Psalm 36, verse 9 For with thee, O God, is the fountain of life, in thy life shall we see light. Psalm 27 verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Things come, things go. When you grow in God, then you can get many things easier. 
The call of God is not a poverty alleviating scheme. It is not something with which your family will get out of poverty forever. When you grow in the things of God, God will bless you. You don't have to enter the ministry before you can prosper. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18, he did not say God will give ministers the power to get wealth. He said you as a child of God, he will give you power to get wealth. So you don't have to get in the ministry to make a mess of it. The reason why the ministry is blamed today is because many poor people have found their way into the ministry and they are desperate. They are very desperate. They want the condition of their family to change overnight. You see, and things don't happen like that. God is not a magician, he's a miracle worker. He's a miracle worker because he works with things. A magician does not work with anything. Just like you. And then you see a bird just appear. Now that's a magician. But there is nothing that Jesus ever did that he didn't have something with which he did it. Whether it's a dove or a little boy's lunch or sand, he said, throw the sand into the air, it became lies. What is that in your hand? Is a rod, throw it down, it became a rod, and so on. So understand when you're dealing with God that that is the way it is. Another misunderstanding or, or misunderstanding about the call of God is that some people see the call of God or listen to this the call of God or the work of the ministry as employment as employment now let me say this to you and i want you to hear me closely because this is what you find in the word of god the work of the ministry is for people who are already employed the work of the ministry is for people who are already employed there was nobody in the bible who was not employed before he came into ministry check it out nobody everybody that was ever brought into ministry had a job they were doing the work of god is not a dumping ground for desperate people who have not been able to find jobs in the last three years if you see the work of the ministry and the call of god as a desperate rescue <laughs> i told one of my brother-in-laws after he had looked for a job for eight years and he did not get he came to me and said i have had the call of god i saw i told us if i were you i would have had it long ago long ago because if it took you this long to hear the call i told him, i said listen to me you have no call i said there is nothing like call i said it is hunger that made you see call the work of god is not it's not for people who are not everybody who ever did something for god was doing something before they were called proverbs 22 28 says that imam diligent in his business he shall stand before kings and not before mere men you see those who are not diligent in any business when they come into ministry they stand before mere men they have mere churches mere ministries ministries that are just going from one payday to another payday now that's not that's not what god wants us to do everybody the ministry is for employed people people who are employed but who because of the higher calling and the greater calling of god in christ they resign they leave their jobs they make a choice when you don't have a choice about ministry there is no sacrifice involved but when there is a concrete choice and you make a decision because you have chosen then you have call of god genuine call of god and nobody can say after i retire then ah god spoke to me three nights ago if i were you i would see this long ago so understand that when you have the choice to make that is when you can make ministry to make up your mind to respond to god's call so the ministry is not an alternative employment it is not for people who are not profitably engaged in something elisha was doing something before god called him Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, was doing something for God called him. Peter, James, and John were doing something for God called him. Matthew in Matthew 9, 9 was doing something for God called him. Everybody that God had to call, the, Paul was doing something for God called him. 
But if you now look at, you see, that is why we have we have a generation of lazy, desperate people who are no good. They, they, they don't do good. They, 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 you see, the point is that they are in ministry because there's no other alternative. The ministry is not a dropping place. It's not. It's not a dumping ground for misfit. For misfit. There was never a person who was a misfit whom God used. God is not using dregs and wasted product. The choice, look, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they chose them, when Nebuchadnezzar chose them, when they conquered uh, the nation of Israel and they were the choicest, they were the best of the best children. They selected them. And those were the kind of people that God used. The work of God required excellence. That's why we are told about Daniel in Daniel 6.3. He said he was a man with an excellent spirit. He was a man in whom brother, the spirit of the, of, 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 of the most high God. So it's not an authority. Let me say this to you. This is why I say it's not an authority employment. That is why ministry is not a place for salary. It is not a place for salary. God will take care of his servant. But it's not a place where you depend on. Month by month. God told me long ago. He said, if you depend, he said, if you put yourself on a salary, you'll be dependent on men's response. He said, but when you put yourself on me, he said, I'll take care of you. Since I came into ministry full time, I have never earned a salary. And somebody said, but there are some things the ministry is doing. I know fellow ministers who the, their ministry is doing the same thing for and they earn regular salary every month. I know a friend of mine who, as far as I know, at least earns a month. A salary of a millionaire it's not that we cannot arrange things to earn such money but god said no god said don't you see because when you put your seven night salary you limit possibilities you limit your sources the bible even tell you as a child of god you should not limit your child to salary what does the word of god says he said let him that store still no more Ephesians 4 28 but let our to work with his hand the things that are good that he may have to give your need is not going to supply by your salary is according to his riches in glory God did not say your work will supply your need he said he will supply your need so whatever you get as salary if you allow it to limit you your life will be substandard but you see when you look at ministry not as employment but as a call, say before I formed you, I knew you. Before I brought you forth, I ordained you as a prophet of the nations. Which be this destiny? I'm not in it for pay. The month end has no meaning to me because my day, my pay is daily. Give me this day my daily bread. I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt. Psalm 81 verse 10. Open your mouth and I will fill it. I will make you to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. The Lord will bless you as he has said. You will lend unto nations. You will not borrow. Now that is what God has called us to. It's not something where you, you now limit yourself to some monthly end allowance. That may not give you enough allowance to maneuver. I remember a man, a man of God I met in UK some years ago. He told me this it was so challenging. He said for the first five years of his ministry. That is when he started the work that God gave him. He said he never collected any salary. He said, so there is a standing principle now in their ministry. If you join their ministry the first five years, you get no pay. Do you know that most people have never made it to the fourth year? He said, because he, he said, God told him that you need to first of all develop your faith. You need to be able to live by your faith. If your faith cannot sustain your life, 
you are living a substandard life if the things that you need cannot be provided for by your faith then that life is not up to the kind of life you are supposed to be living we know that men are dependent we are dependent that's the way god made man but i want you to know that you need to develop your faith you need to make your faith strong and starve your doubts to death. You need to bring yourself into a position when you deal with the things of God. Whereby you say, look, my God supply my need. My God supply my need. If I have a need, I talk to God. If I have a desire, I talk to God. And my God who supply my need will supply it according to his riches in glory by Christ. If it comes to God told me years ago, he said, nobody can pay servant of God. He said, nobody can. No organization can. I remember some years ago i went to a church i went to united states and one of my friends who was a bishop he told me there was an offer of a job and the offer of the job was that the the, the monthly salary which was a very big church their pastor had passed on an old church and the entire offer of the monthly salary was thirty thousand dollars a month they'll give you a house that has a swimming pool a, a chauffeur driven car everything they, they said that's your package and he asked me he said will you take it i said i'm not even tempted i said i'm not even tempted because you see the kind of life i'm living is not the kind of life they are recommending i mean if 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 i do my work well in that kind of a church do you think i would like thirty thousand dollars a month if people are well taught do you know that galatians 6 is letting that is taught in the world communicate i'm not a local church pastor and i'm a person to the body of, i'm a person in the body of christ and in that position my need is supplied by the body of christ that i minister to not this not the local church here in the london the local church here in Illinois cannot even put enough food on my table as it is not because of anything but because the kind of people God has sent me to God will have to take care of me because those people don't have the money to provide me with the kind of blessing that God intends for me God can send you to a poor people but God will take care of you let me share this story because God can give you a commission that will send you to people who do not have the means and people are finding God to respond to that kind of means but you see if you respond to that God will take care of you Heaven has a way of providing for your need and taking care of you. So the call of God, as it were, is not as it were, as people look at it, it's not a call, so it's not an employment at all. It's not. In Bible days, the, the, the relation of the priest were not fixed. It was open-ended. It is as the people are blessed, they bring. It was not that they give them a cow a month, a goat a month, to know as the people are blessed. And as they bless the people and minister to the people and take care of the people, they are able to cut the wool of the sheep as the sheep develop. So don't put your ministry or your call or the work of God into an employment kind of uh, scenario. When you put into an employment kind of scenario, by the 19th of the month you are broke. When your supply should be daily. Psalm 68 verse 19, God daily loaded us with benefits. Daily. As your days, Deuteronomy 325, so shall be your strength. That is the way it's supposed to be. I remember one of the problems I had in those days when I started. I said, God, you have told me you are sending me to young men and women. You are telling me you are taking me to the nations. And you are telling me to young men and women who may not be able to provide. God said, they will not be the one to feed you. I will feed you. God was the one who kept feeding the prophets in the Bible. Even when there was famine, their mouth was satisfied. Their soul we are saved and they are delivered in famine. His riches in glory by Christ. So stop looking at it as unemployment. If you don't look at it like that, I'm not saying that when you are put on a, on a particular salary, you should not collect it. <laughs> if you don't collect that, you may not even be able to live that month. Start where you are, but never stay there.
get to a point where you wane yourself from such things and begin to look at things in a more dramatic manner because there's enough talent in every one of us to feed you god told me yesterday he said there's enough talent in everybody to feed their mouth the problem is that we have not discovered it when you discover your talent and you begin to develop it you discover there's enough in you to make you that's the power he has given us to get wealth another thing that people see uh, the way they another wrong way we people see the call of god and god's work is that some people see the call of god and god's work as something that can be done anytime god's work cannot be done anytime you can't answer the call anytime let me say this to you some people have the problem of answering the call too early while some people have the problem of answering the call too late you cannot answer the call anytime to everything there is a time and a season to every purpose under the heavens christ had to answer the call in the dispensation of the fullness of time the bible said in psalm 102 verse 13 that shall arise and have favor upon zion the time to favor her has come matthew 4 17 mark 1 15 the bible said jesus began to say the time is fulfilled the kingdom of god is at hand ladies and gentlemen hear me now hear me clearly when it comes to the call of god you need an understanding of the times among the Israelites, there was a group of people known as the sons of Issachar. in first chronicles 12 32 the bible said their gift their grace was that they had an understanding of the time that they may know what israel should do one prayer i prayed as a young christian was god teach me an understanding of the time let me know and understand of time many of you say ah, it's not time to marry now how do you get to know it's time to marry the same way you know it's time to marry is the same way in the spirit you know you need to know it's time to answer the call it's time to get involved it's time to to, to get in my place and begin to flourish in the place where god has put me the farmer who is who is sowing knows he has to pray by time you can't sow and disregard time the opportunities of today will not be there forever in the book of Esther chapter 1 verse 13 in every palace of kings in bible days there were people that had a special gifting of understanding the times the call of god is not something you can do anytime it has to be in his time in his time he makes all things beautiful the call of god and god's work cannot be done anytime i mean no matter what you are doing no matter how little you are doing there is a time that god has allotted the bible said in the description of the fullness of time god brought forth his son to bring us out of our sin and our bondage it's wrong for you to assume that i can just show up anytime you can't even if you show up anytime you will not be able to reap the kind of results you will have reaped if probably you showed up at the time you are supposed to show up god is a god of appointment when they said disappointment it means there is an appointment and the reason for disappointment is because people never kept appointment years ago i was disappointed a man gave me a man of god known as rick thomas gave me an appointment in a town known as uh, margate florida and that i should come that was when god began to deal with me about uh, time time and i got there five minutes late and the secretary told me sorry you can't see him somebody else has got the appointment and is in now and i tried to explain myself he said sir is it here we keep appointments we don't know where you are from but here we keep appointments and god is the appointment keeper when the time he prophesied concerning the coming of the messiah came this messiah came 
in his time he makes all things beautiful so the call of god and god's work is not something you can do anytime jesus said in john 7 verse 4 down to 6 he said as for you your time is always he said but my own time had not yet come he said you 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 don't have a regard for time he said but i do he respects time that's why he says in proverbs chapter 8 verse 7 thing i think i Proverbs 8 17 he said that i love me with love he said that i love me with love and they that seek me early shall find me in bible days when you go out to gather manna when the sun is up the manna will have disappeared that is to let you know that god keeps appointment whenever he wanted to see the elders of the children of israel in the wilderness he will say come and meet me and they will go there and meet him and he, he told the apostles not to leave the city of jerusalem until they be endured with power from on high in luke 24 49 and when the day of pentecost was fully come when the appointment hour came they were all with one accord in one place they kept the appointment and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind you need to begin to ask yourself am i am i getting ahead of myself or am i dragging my feet am i wasting precious time or am I getting in line with the prophetic time of God? You see, those people who go to the moon, let me tell you something. Some years ago when they wanted to go to the moon, and they were calculating, 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 they suddenly discovered in their calculations, because you see, the moon is the moon is something that is, I see the earth revolving around the moon, or the moon revolving around the sun. I don't know what it is. But you see, those who are going to go from the earth, they were going to travel at a particular speed. And they have to calculate it accurately so that when they get to where the moon is, they can enter it. They were going for space exploration. They, they had to, so suddenly when they were calculating, they discovered that 24 hours was missing. And they said, where is this 24 hours from? They had to go to the Bible to get the 24 hours. Time is if God set man into time. 24 hours was missing. Now where was it missing? Two places in the Bible. The day that Joshua said, sun, stand, moon, stand. The Bible said the sun stood and the moon stood for about a day. Not a day, about a day. And in the days of Isaiah and Hezekiah, you know Hezekiah had this boy and he was sick. And the prophet of God came and said to him, set your house in order, you find this in Isaiah 38, set your house in order, you will die and not leave. And Hezekiah uh, I, I, turned his face to the wall and lamented and cried. He said, I have did, I've done this and done this. And God said, okay, you will not die again. You will now live. And then the idea was, give me a sign that I'm going to live and not die. The Bible says the sun went how? Backward by a couple of minutes. When they added the number of minutes there and the number of minutes in the days of Joshua, they were able to calculate it. So the astronauts, astronauts that left the world earth were able to calculated to the nearest point to the point that when they got to the moon the moon was there so they could enter it if they had missed the calculation the moon would have passed or the moon would have come early and they would have just passed into space and disappeared that is how strategic timing is even in space exploration in, 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 in not just in space exploration but even in planting in producing a baby God has put the time Scientists tell us that when a baby is supposed to be born and the baby is not born by a particular month instead of the baby growing the baby begins to decay. That's why some women who are supposed to give birth and they don't give birth expected day of delivery passes appointed day of delivery passes they have to operate to bring out the baby because if they don't the baby will die in the womb because the time to bring forth the baby has passed 
and that's how visions die that's how call die because the time for you to have given birth to the call is such that it has passed so the call dies within you and you may not even know it you are you are carrying up i, well, I met a woman years of years ago who said she's been pregnant for six years i told her i said everything may be in you but not a baby a baby is not in you it's either fiber or stone or snail or anything else but not a baby if your baby stays in the womb for six years you will have developed teeth and it will have eaten its way out of the womb <laughs> all righty now another another way wrong way in which people see the work of god or see the call of god is that they see the call of god and uh, they see the call of god and um, the work of god if they are to involve in it as if they are doing somebody a favor you know when some people are walking when i talk to some people and i say what about the call they look at me and see if, if they answer the call they're doing me a favor now i have answered the call already and uh, the bible says in proverbs chapter 8 verse 35 whosoever find me find life and obtain favor from the lord so when you answer the call you are doing yourself a favor not me proverbs 9 12 if you are wise you are wise for yourself if you refuse instruction, you will be at it. Now let me say this to you. Never ever do the work of God as if you are doing somebody a favor. You are not. Why is you if you don't do it? Because a dispensation of that work is already committed to you. Because the way some people behave is that, oh, I'm doing somebody a favor. You are not. If you don't do it, somebody else will do it. So you are only the one who is going to be useless. Useless simply means less of use. And the reason why some people think they are doing somebody a favor is that they are looking at God's work as if they say it's man's work. And I dig boy's work. I dig boy's church. You are deceiving yourself. The church is not my church. I don't have my church. I know what ministry is. I know what the call of God is. This church is not my church. There's nothing like my church. If it's my church, when I'm going home, I will carry every one of you to my house. But every one of you go to your various homes, hard houses, and at a particular time and day we are fixed, you come here and you do what you are supposed to do. So you are not doing anybody a favor when you answer God's call. It's yourself. You are doing yourself a favor. Because if you do the right thing, you get blessed. If you do the wrong thing, you suffer for it. I am not going to suffer for you not answering the call. Neither am I going to be favored because you answer the call. Because the work is not my work. He will send laborers to his work. At a point in time, Elijah thought he was doing God a favor. He said, "I even I am the one that is left alone. I want to die. If you want to die, die now. When he died, did the work of God stop? I was singing a song recently. That was the song I was singing when I was coming. A Yoruba song. That says, Isheoluwa Kole Bajeo no pastor can harass a senior pastor you want to resign resign when Barnabas resigned was there no Silas resign now you don't have to think about it nobody kills a church by leaving it if people leave it if because people leave a church the church dies then this church will have died years ago and every church will have died years ago 
So the point is, some people think, oh, if you are doing the, if you are answering the call of God, you are doing somebody a favor. No, there are a thousand of you waiting that will take over from your place. Iru alone, you see, where that When you know God's work, when you know the, you see, when, when you know what the ministry and the call of God is, you know that no ability resides in anybody. We are not sufficient of ourselves to think ourselves to be anything. Our sufficiency is of God, who has made us able. Years ago, Benin, God taught him a lesson. You know, whenever he's singing, dancing, my soul, he will appear on the stage like an opera singer. My Savior God to thee. So on this special anointing service day, we have people that have flown in from all over the world. He glided into the arena to begin his theater, theater antics. The power of God hit him and he fell down. He never woke up till the service ended. And miracles and signs and wonders were performed by God for God to prove to him that he is one doing it, not you. Look at your neighbor and say, you are not the one doing it though. Because some people think I'm the one making it happen. I'll resign. Resign. Who are, you, who are you still telling us? Do it! When Barnabas resigned, did God not raise up Silas? Barnabas was not the kind of person that even Paul would have agreed with. The Bible said they take it away the first that he may establish the second. When you don't know ministry, you are, you are fearful and afraid. The HOD says he's going to leave. Could it to bad rubbish? Probably that is a stone that has been obstructing the wheel of progress. So what are you trying to say, George? What I'm saying is this. The work of God. You're not doing anybody a favor. When I look at your minister and say, hey, I'm suffering. I'm not eating. That's your problem. It happened to me. I came out. Look at what I'm saying. You will come out too. Hey, you're not eating. So what? Are you the first person? Are you the only person? The self-same affliction is accomplished with brethren over the world. Hey, my father died. Was he only your father died? My own mother who died in God? My mother died when I was seven. My father died when I was 15. What are you talking about? You are 25 years old. Hey, my father died. That's why I don't come to church. You are not serious. You are not dead yet, so you should rejoice. Because the day you die, that's when there is no reason anymore to continue. But for as long as you, you, are, you are still breathing, there is hope. When my father died, I was not even a Christian. You are born again filled with the Holy Ghost and God has called you. Say so your father died. So what? When my mother... Look, if I see my mother now, I can't recognize her. For you to know how young I was. And if I see her now, I can't recognize her. I can still recognize my father because I had grown enough. My father and mother left us 13 children. The oldest among us when he, my father died was 20 years old. We are 13 of us. Today we made it. How did we make it? Did we make it by all this? We made it God. Look, by then only one person, when my father died, only one person was a Christian in our family. Only one, a nine-year-old girl was a Christian. She was the only Christian in the family. But today, to the glory of God, to the glory of God, at least most of us, let me say 12 out of 13, don't ask me the black sheep of the family. Every family has its own black sheep. Look at your neighbor and say, are you the one in your family? So, what, <laughs> what I'm saying is this. I mean, it, it, it's just that. 
You are not doing anybody a favor. You, you are do, if, you, if you are wise, you are wise for yourself. Hosea 10, 12, saw to yourself in righteousness, reaping mercy. We are not lords over your faith. We are helpers of your joy. The reason why we are talking to you about ministry and reminding you is because we want to make your life count in your own generation. I'm not going to get anything out of it. If I'm going to wait for you to have a breakthrough ministry before I eat, then I will never eat. Because you don't have a breakthrough yet, you have a breakdown now. It takes some time for you to get there. My father used to tell us in those days, he said, there is another Yoruba that says, when the, rab the rats uh, goat becomes old, the rat sucks on the breast of his little ones. My father used to say, if I have to wait for my old rabbits or small rats to grow best, then I will die. And do you know my father died without even experiencing what it takes to taste from the fruit of his own children's labor? He never tasted. And that's why I said to people, <laughs> you see, you are, you are only healthy. It's for your good. If you answer the call of God, you'll be in the will of God and that will help you. It will help you marry right. It will help you grow right. It will help fulfill your destiny and purpose in life. You're not doing anything. When some people, when some people don't answer the call, they, be, they dodge me. You're wasting your time. You are dodging your blessing. That's what you're doing. You are running away from God's best for you. If God has really called you, you can never be a happy and fulfilled and satisfied person except you answer that call. You can never be. You can never be. Forget it. Everything else will look like it, but it will not be actually it. Let me go on here. Another thing is that some people see the call of God as something that will hurt them rather than something that will help them. They think the call of God will hurt them. That's how they see it. And that's why they're running. They, see, they think the call of God will hurt me instead of helping me. Now, I want to say this and I say it and you can prove this in the Bible. I do not know of anyone in God's word whom who the call of God hurt. But I know several people whom the call of God helped. I have been helped by the call of God. Everybody who has answered the call of God will tell you they have been helped by the call of God. You discover purpose. You discover destiny. You discover joy. You discover peace in the call of God. But people, people look at the call of God as something that will hurt them. If I answer the call now, I will not live a satisfying life. I will not be prominent. I will not be known. Oh, if I answer the call of God now, I will not be well taken care of. I will not be rich. I will not be blessed. I will not be the head I desire to be. I couldn't have imagined anything better that would have done me good as it has done me. By the time I gave my life to Christ, there was nothing to live for anymore. I was ready to die without having lived. The call of God does not hurt. Some parents look at their children and say, Ah, this ministry you are going into, yeah? won't it hurt you? I have never known children that have been hurt. I have never known families that have been hurt by the call of God, if it is real and genuine and proper. I have never known it. But I have known families who have been hurt when for releasing their children to God's call, they refused. They have lost them. They have lost them. Some people look at the call of God, ah, it will hurt me. Oh. Ah, if I answer the call of God, it will hurt me financially. If there is any hurt, it's a temporary setback. It is a suffering of this present time that is not worthy to be compared 
to the glory that shall be revealed. In the beginning, you may have to discipline and strain yourself, but it's for a time. For we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are not, uh, the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. How do you see the call of God? The way you see it is the way you respond to it. It's the way you walk it. Because when people think they are, they are, they are when people think that they are doing somebody a favor, you see that they begin to act in a way as if to say they are Lord of Lords and King of Kings. No, no, no. You are doing yourself a favor. You are doing your destiny a favor. You are doing your seed and your seed seed a favor. You are laying in store against the a foundation against the time to come. So do not see the call of God as something that hurts rather than something that helps. It helps you. You discover who you are. You discover the reason of your creation. You discover the purpose of your existence. You discover meaning. You discover, you discover several things about yourself that you never, never knew that you had. Quickly, because of time, I will give you the remaining three here. Another way people see the call of God, listen to this, is that the call of God it can be faked. Faked. They can fake it. <laughs> now let me see. Let me tell you something. Something that cannot be faked is God's call. You can't fake it. If you don't have it, even if you say you have it now, it will soon be clear you did not. You don't have it. Years ago in this ministry, there were so many young men here. Every one of them said they had the call of God. Some of them called themselves pastors. Some of them said, "I'm apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher." They call themselves several titles. I know one of them now that is a spear part steller. You can't fake it. If it is there, it's there. If it's not there, don't make yourself believe it. There are some of us here who say, are you, are you called to be a pastor? I say, yes, I'm a pastor. Even if you fake it, God will retrench. Let me show you in the Bible people who try to fake it. Open to Acts 5. And now we are going to look at Acts 9. Acts 5. Some Bible people who try to fake it. Open to Acts 5. And now we are going to look at Acts 9. Acts 5. Some people try to fake it. <laughs> I, I love Gamaliel. Gamaliel was telling them, he said, this thing can't be faked. You can't fake this thing. I read from Acts 5 verse 33. Acts 5 33, are you there? Open your Bible quickly and swiftly. The word of God says, when they had that, then they had that, that verse 33 of Acts 5, they were caught to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Then stood up, then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had a reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. He said, and he said unto them, You men of Israel, take it to yourself what you intend to do as touching these men. For before these days, he said, rose up. He was telling them people who faked. Rose up one person known as Judas, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, the church can grow to 400, <laughs> or even 300. But continuity is the stamp of divine genuineness. Anybody can start anything. Many, many churches have closed. Many, many ministries have been closed down. Many people who were are no more. Why? No genuineness. He said there was a man to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves. The Bible said he was slain. Who was slain? And all as many as obeyed him, we are scattered and brought to naught. Everything was brought to naught. 
anybody can write a vision, can print a magazine, can open a building, can start a work, but you can't fake it. There are people who are faking things. You will see that even when they are preaching, they are faking it. They don't have the original thing. It is like placebo. It smells like it. Look at it. It has a form of it, but it's not the real thing. The Bible said it came to naught. Again, after this man rose up, Judas of Galilee, in the days of the taxing, and drew away many people. You see, you can draw them, you can steal them from the church. But when you go apart, that is when you realize you don't have a call on your head. You see, at times when people are praying a covering, they don't know what is happening. They never realize that they do not have a real thing until they separate. That is when they discover. One of our old ministers in this ministry sat down with me and was discussing with me and he said something that made me weep. He said, excuse me, sir. I've come to agree and accept a bitter truth that I'm not called to start a ministry. Now, it took him some years to come to that understanding. But he doesn't have to take you that number of years to come to You see, when you are praying, enjoy anointing. When you are just an ordinary person in the midst of other prophets, you could prophesy. But when you are no longer there, you can't prophesy again. Because that thing has that thing has no it has no reality with you. You don't really have it. You see, covering can be deceptive. It can be deceptive. Operating in a group can give you the impression you have it, but you don't really have it. And you may never know you don't have it until you separate people and Barnabas. One man came to this pulpit years ago in this church. We gave him a microphone to always, he took the offering, he did several things. And he came to this pulpit and said, God said, separate me and Baba. How many of you remember what I'm saying? There are a few of you that remember. He's, from this pulpit, he said, God said to him, separate between me and Baba for the work where I have called him. When he came to tell me, I said, congratulations. He started in Kuala Hotel. On the day of the inauguration, several people were there. The next day, Sunday, he was the only one who was there. Together with his wife. It's not everybody who is called to some of these things. So you need to... It's when you are looking at God's work. When you are preaching under a covering, it can be deceptive. It can, it, you, can, you can feel or think you have something. You can even draw 400 people with you. But water we find is level. A well that is dug that does not hit the water table will dry up during the during the hamatan. Judas of Galilee in the days of taxing, he drew away much. He said he drew away much people. Deceptiveness. After him, he also he also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, we are dispersed. God saved them; they did not perish with him. They were only dispersed. And now I say unto you, he said, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of God, it will come to nothing. What, what are, it will come to nothing. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Lest happily you be found even to fight against God. You see, years ago I knew I had the call of God. Some people met and they said, well, we think what we should do is, we should do this, we should do this. 
And I said once, I made one statement. I said, except if God had not called me. I wasn't looking at it as something. I, I, was not, I was not looking at it as something that I entered into. I was not looking at it as something that I put myself in. I was looking at it as something. I didn't fake it. I'm not a fake. I'm, not a, I'm a real teacher. I'm a prophet. I operated in the office of a prophet for years. My message are prophetic. But I'm called to take this thing to the whole world. So there's nothing fake. You see some young ministers, after they have read books by TV, they say, I'm telling you, huh? oh, this time is over. You see what? You, you, you don't have a message of your own. You don't. And very soon, you will run out. You will. Because, you see, there's not depth. There's no originality. It does not ooze out of you. It, it's not naturally. You see, it's not natural with you. You're trying to be like Tilly Jakes. You go and shave your head. You have an oversized baggy trouser. A long suit that was sold by you by a capital in Maraba. And he said, I'm telling you today. Oh, man of God. This is the hour. Now, after you scream today, next week, will you have something to say? Because it's not deep. It's not rich. It's not there. It's not there. Look at your neighbor and say, is it there? Look at you and say, do you really have the call of God? Ask, do you really have it? Because people fake it a lot. I've seen some people who have voices of some say, I'm telling you, Jesus, he's coming. He's coming again. He's coming. Can I have a high five? He's in the house. Why you said that this week? What will you say next week? Let me tie this up here. The call of God cannot be faked. When people think it can be faked, you will see they go about, about it in a fake way. They will have all the dressing, all the gold trimmings. They will hoop. We are not black Americans, we are Nigerians. Don't disturb us. How many of you have gone to America before you are hooping? What are you hooping about? Hooping was a slave mentality. You see, in those days when the slaves used to work on the farm and they have been downcast, they feel unhappy because of the condition under which they are made to serve, then they do what they call sing song. That's what hooping is all about. It is a slave call. It's like apes obey. You know what apes obey means? Apes. A-P-E-S. Obey. But nowadays when you go to the man, say, apes obey! They are still saying apes obey years after. When we are no longer apes. Look at your neighbor and say, are you an ape? <laughs> but they are still saying it. So all this shouting and screaming and foaming in the mouth and copying an American and saying, oh Jesus is in the house. <laughs> it's, it has nothing to do with us. You have never been misled before. Do I make you unhappy? Let me finish here. Another wrong way we people see the call of God and the works of the ministry is that they think, they look at ministry and look at the call of God and they think everybody understands the call of God. Let me say this to you. Not everybody understands. Stop talking to some people about the call of God on your life. They don't know it. Because somebody is the pastor of your church does not mean that he knows the call of God. There are so many things about ministry, callings, anointings that people know nothing about. 
Joseph's brother did not know anything about the call of God. Joseph was the one whom God called. He knew about the call of God. There are senior oversights in some churches that cannot put Samuel on the path to his prophetic ministry. It's, you cannot, you see, there are certain churches within which your ministry cannot grow because they are too insecure to allow you to grow. Apart from the pastor, nobody needs to talk about the call of God in that church. Because there's been security on the part of the pastor. Nobody can sell their tapes. Nobody can publish a magazine. Nobody can preach a message. Nobody can print anything except the pastor. Now you can, you see, you think, you see, well, well, because we think everybody understands the call of God, we share it. We talk to them. These are pearls. Don't spread them these verse wines. When God deals with you, it's not everybody that you need to talk to. There are some people that are too fearful or afraid. When you say, you are concerned, eh! you have made a mistake when you tell such people. You have committed an error. But we think people, everybody knows, ah, everybody should know. Not everybody. Not everybody knows. Even among the apostles of Christ, not even many of them knew about the call of God. Your mother may not know about the call of God. Your sister may not know about the call of God. Your pastor may not know about the call of God. The call of God or calling to ministry is not something that everybody understands. In the days of Jesus, members of his family did not understand his mission, his call, his purpose. Because the way some of us behave is that, oh, everybody knows about the call of God. And so whenever they say something you don't like, you feel unhappy. I have since come to realize that many people don't know anything about the call of God. And so whatever comments they make about the call of God, I just shake my head and move on. Because I know they don't understand. They know not that they understand. They walk on in darkness. Someone came to me some time ago. He said, um, I just want to discuss with you. I said, yes. He said, um, I hope you are saving some money, plenty of money. I said, for what? He said, for the rainy day. I said, rain, rain does not fall on any day. It only falls in the season. I, I, I rubbished it. You are trying to come, you are trying to cancel me, you, you idiot. Somebody can be knowledgeable in his own field, but he may not know anything about ministry or call. So why do you think his information should trouble you? He doesn't bother me a bit. He doesn't, he, he doesn't move me a bit. So make sure, I told, I told him, I said, you are an idiot. He thought I was, I said, I mean it though. It's just like a carpenter telling the doctor what to do. This is what I put my life in. Do you know when I was born again? I said, when I answered the call of God in my ministry in 1981, you are still urinating on the bed. You are trying to advise me now. How old were you? He was trying to advise me. A 27-year-old person. Trying to give me the blessing. I said, when I answered the call of God in 1981, you were still pissing on your bed. I say water does not flow from down up. I say it doesn't. I say if you have wisdom, go and share with people like you. I say people like us are no longer under the sphere of your influence. No matter what wisdom you have. I say you are an idiot. He looked at himself and said yes, I think I feel so too. I say what's it? Oh, let me go on here. I close, I close, I close, I close. Now, 
Another thing, the wrong way people see the call of God and ministry is that some people think that when they say they have the call of God, then it must also always be to pastor or pulpit ministry or an evangelist or a teacher or a prophet or an apostle. There are other diversities of call. One of the mistakes we have made in this ministry was that we have put people who have no business with pastoring to pastor. We have made that mistake in this ministry. Some people who are not called to pastor at all, we made them pastors. And so when they get there, they misbehave. Let me say this to you. The fact that you are not called to pastor doesn't mean that you don't have a genuine call of God from heaven. You don't have to be called to pastor to be a genuine person that God has called. One of the ministers, one of the deacons in this church told me, he said, he said, if you make me a minister, he said, I will be a bad minister. He said, my ministry is to be a deacon. Of the seven deacons that were appointed in the early church, two of them became ministers, five of them remain as deacons. Two of them, Stephen and Philip. Philip became an evangelist. Stephen became something almost like an apostle. But we made mistakes years ago in this ministry. Everybody who was here as a minister was always looking forward to the day when they are going to be minister in charge. We sent them to the churches and they killed the churches. And some of them are still killing churches as I'm speaking. One brother told me, he said, he said, it seems that the most rebellious people on the earth are members of our church. I said, I can tell you that there are not as many rebellious people there as they have here. I said, but I'm surviving. He said, what's the secret? I said, the secret is that you're not called at all. But it's too late. So you need to be real with yourself. You don't need to fake it. In closing, in the next few minutes, I want to share something with you as to how you need to see the call of God on your life. I'm just going to share them. I'm not going to be able to explain so much about them, but I'm just going to explain them bit by bit, 10, 15 minutes, then I drop the microphone. Number one, there are things you need to see about the call of God on your life if you have one. Number one, your call and the work you are doing See it as a continuation of Jesus' ministry on the earth. In other words, what I'm doing today is a continuation. God planned it. Jesus came, carried it out. The Holy Spirit, in partnership with me as my comforter, is helping me to continue. If you continue in my words, then are you my disciples indeed? See your call as a continuation. And what does that mean? If you see your call as a continuation of the ministry of Christ, you will do it the way Jesus will do it. John 14, 12. The work that I do shall you do also. John 17, 18. John 20, 21. As my father have sent me, even so send I you. What are you trying to say, Brother George? Listen to me very carefully. See your call. Whatever you are doing, 
as a continuation. What you are doing is the part you have been given to do, but it's a continuation. So do it with the same spirit of determination, spirit of devotion, spirit of consecration. Do not do it like a daxically. Do it as if to say Jesus was the one doing it. It's a continuation. This thing I'm sharing with you are the principles that God gave me. When long ago I began in the work of the Lord. He said, see what you are doing as a continuation of what I'm doing. So you can't continue well and get the results you need to get except you do it in the same spirit. Whosoever does not have the spirit of Christ is not of his. Continue in my word. Continue in my spirit. That's how to see the work of God. Anything you are doing. When you stand at the door, I'm continuing the ministry of Christ here. When you are counseling, I'm continuing the ministry of Christ here. When you are ministering deliverance, I'm continuing the ministry of Christ. It's when you see it like that, you will walk differently. That was the way the apostles saw it. And that's why they walked the way they walked. Number two. The second way to see the work of God and to see your call. See your call as a wonderful privilege. It's a privilege. Two kinds of privileges. Number one, it's a privilege to walk with God. And it's a privilege to represent God. It's a privilege to partner with God. Because, by the way, who are you? 1 Corinthians 3 9 says, We are co laborers together with God. 2 Corinthians 6 1 says, Now he said, We are workers together with Him. It's a privilege. Let me say this to you there is no ability in you at all, the ability is in God. If God can use you, there is nobody He cannot use. And if you think there is anything special about you, let the anointing lift. You will discover that you are nothing. It's a wonderful privilege. Now, for you to be, for example, the secretary to the governor of the state, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be HOD. It's a privilege. You are not the best person in this church. You are not the best around. If God gives it to you, it's because he chose to give it to you. You are not the best. There are better people. But God just chose to use a donkey like you. I always tell people, if God can use me, there is hope for anybody. It's a privilege. It's a wonderful privilege to be the president of a fellowship. It's a wonderful privilege to, to, to have Reverend George as the one of us. It's a privilege. People are looking for it, but they can't get it. I was supposed to have traveled to UK and US. People are calling from all over the places. Ah, your life is so important to us. Oh, please rest. Oh, you, you are so. I mean, these are people, and for them to know that you are a member of this church and you sleep during the service. They, they can't understand. One of, one of them was watching a video and they saw one of you sleeping. Look at your neighbor and say, Was it you? And he said to myself, He said, He said, this kind of person that can sleep under this kind of message, I can only give him one name. I said, what's the name? He said, the dead in Christ. <laughs> you know, the Bible says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. He's in Christ, but he's dead. She that liveth in pleasure is dead while she lives. 
He said, I can't imagine. He said, I saw somebody sleep. He said, I can't imagine it. He said, after I had the message and I slept, I was hearing it in my bowels and I woke up. So for me not to be watching the video and see somebody sleeping, I told him, I said, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. I said, that's the learning for you. But you see, he can't imagine that. He is pastor of a church, a church of 1,000 people in Canada. And he cannot understand why you can be sleeping under a hot message. It's a wonderful privilege. When you look at the fact that you are called to decorate this hall, it's a privilege. You're not the best decorator in town. We could give it to somebody else. You are called to take water to the man of God. It's a privilege. There are some people who for Jesus said there are so many righteous men who desired and longed to see one day of the Son of God, but they don't see it. In the days when Job was saying, I know my Redeemer liveth, he was looking forward to the days of Christ when the Messiah had not yet come. But there are people who walk with Messiah and say, He's a liar, he's demon possessed. Now, what kind of story or punishment do you think God will give such people? You have a privilege to listen to the word of God, you have a privilege. To, to, to listen to this message without paying for it. Do you know that I don't go to places until they pay for it? When I say pay for it, I, I stay in good hotels. Not a unique guest house. Five star message you are sleeping under. Look at your neighbor and say, change your attitude. Number three. Another way you need to see the call of God don't just see it as uh, a privilege. Don't just see it as a continuation of Jesus Christ. See your call and the work you are going to do as one that have a price. There is a price for every call. There is nothing you have that you did not pay for. You pay for light. You pay for rent. You pay for your clothes. You pay for your food. This is the world system where you pay. And there is a price you pay for a call. If you are going to have a traveling ministry, you pay a price. If you are going to have an international ministry, you pay a price. If you are going to have an anointed ministry, you pay a price. Everything we pay nothing for is worth nothing. Look at whatever you are called to do, that there is a price. When I leave my family and my home and my children and everybody that I love around me, I stay in hotels eating strange food, fed by strange women, fed by strange food. Do you think it is one thing that I like, but it's a price I have to pay if I'm going to take the word of God to the nations? If you're going to pastor, there is a price. They will insult you. They will criticize you. They will look down on you. They will call you names. It's a price. I always tell people, anything we do has a price. If you are going to head a department, there is a price. If you are going to lead the people into the promised land, there is a price. If you are going to marry Caleb's daughter, there is a price. You must be able to kill the giants because Caleb lives in Hebron and Hebron was the headquarter of the sons of Anarchy. If you are going to marry the daughter or son of George Adegboye, there is a price. You wish it. If you think you can just walk here and say, hey, I love her. <laughs> you must love me first. 
There is a price. There is a price. If that article is worth it, you pay that price. If you don't count it to be anything, you don't be willing to pay. But there is a price for every ministry. Are you willing to pay the price for the anointing of that ministry? Are you willing to pay the price for that thing? If you are not willing, then forget it. If you see that there is a price for that work, that calling, then you know whatever you are going through is nothing. Years ago, I knew there was a price. I paid the price. I'm ready to pay any price for the call God has given me. Because there is nothing that is free. Jesus paid the price, but there is a part of it that he couldn't pay that you are going to have to pay. And that one, you must look at it and say, look, there's a price to me to pay. There's a price I'm going to have to pay. But many, many times people look at ministers as something that there's no price. There is a price. And you are going to have to be willing to pay that price. You are going to have to be willing to pay that price. As a pastor, HOD or whatever, no one does anything worthwhile at no price. There's always a price. The price can be costly. And it can be cheap, but there is something to pay. Everything you do for God, there's going to be a pay. It may, it may affect your sleep. It may take your time. It could do anything, but that's how to see the call of God. Any work of God you are doing, there is a price to pay. Number four. I will give you this and one more. Another thing I want you to see your call as, or the work, whatever God has called you to do, is that within your call, there are other people's call. Within your call, there are other people's call. Let me explain it in a way you get. When you are born as a human being, within you, there are other children. Is that also? Within every woman and every man that is born, we have other children. And men and women go to every extent to make sure they have their own children. And I want you to realize this. That as part of your call, there is a responsibility to raise up other people. Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 2 The things you have heard of me before many witnesses. Commit also to faithful men who will teach others. There are some men of God in the body of Christ today that are inheriting wandering children. When a child wanders away from his father's house, you know what those men of God do? They inherit, they catch them. And they say, that's my son. Is he really your son? How many human beings are satisfied with adopting babies? Is it not a better way for you to have your own baby? We have so many children that have strayed from this ministry inherited by various men of God. I went to a particular ministry in England and I saw this boy who had wandered away. He said, Baba, I said, don't call me Baba. I have prayed to God to deliver me from strange children. One thing I have done over the years is to produce children. Whether they are at home or not, don't worry. They are working somewhere. A pastor came from Lagos bringing one of her sisters who was acting as the secretary of the church. He said to me, he said, ah, 
there's a lot of gift in this lady. I said, oh, you are enjoying her. I said, yeah. I said, I said we have so many of them like that. We produce them a mass, hatchery, and we distribute them. The guy was looking at me. I said, that's what we do. I said, we have ability to reproduce here. We are very fertile and fruitful. I said, people like you are not fruitful because you feel insecure. It's not everybody who has the capacity to reproduce naturally, but nobody loves to adopt. Everybody wants to have what? Their own children. So notice that within you as a human being and someone who is called, there are other people you need to give birth to. Make up your mind to do all you can to raise up sons and daughters who even when they go somewhere else. I remember I was in one place one day. One of the sons that I raised, he knows I raised him. I know I raised him. Uh, he was there. He, he was he, he had, first of all introduced to one person. He said, uh, "My father in the Lord." When he saw me, I, when he said, "My father in the Lord," I said, "I said really." I was sitting. I said, "Really?" He said, "Oh, there are another father here." I said, in the natural, how many fathers do you have? But when a child wanders away from home, he does not know who his father is anymore. After the service, I told him, "I said, you are a bastard. You know I raised you. I also know I raised you. In my presence, you I said, you don't know your father. I said, choose now. He said, you are my father. I said, hey. Because you wandered away from home does not mean I'm not the one. No matter what name you change your son name to, you know where your father is. Oju ole koju ba eko paro. Po ba paro kalu en oju ole paro. When you tell somebody, when somebody is lying, I said, really? Even when they say, no, with their mouth, their eyes will make like this. The eye does not know how to lie. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a son? Is Reverend George your father? Because some of you have fathers in the Lord. If your mother should hear that naturally, that you are fathers, she will tell you that she did not have you for a bastard. She had to live for one man. His name is Barigo. One man, Olani Oye. Because some of you have so many fathers. One thing a child knows to do is to know the father. Look at your name and say, who is your father? If you don't know who he is, go and get the tapes, ministerial essentials. I taught there on principles of fatherhood. How can I know who my father is? Because spiritually people don't know who their father is. They just see a man on television and say, hey! I write him a letter. Dear, dear father in the Lord. I'm a young man. I'm called of God. I'm going to the, the, the ministry of singing. I have two CDs. I, I minister. I want you to be my father. Your real father, you know it. You can change your son's name. I know some of you in this ministry, you have changed your father's name to something else. There's a man who changed his father's name from, from, from Shobala, uh, 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 Shobala to, to Prosper some years ago here. I asked, I said, why did your father's name change? He said, that Osho. I said, now you know Osho. When he gave back to you and carried the name to the university, you did not say Osho. So what are you saying, George? What I'm saying is very, 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 very simple. When you are in ministry, you know exactly where your root is. And you tap into it. You tap into that grace. You walk in that function. A river that disconnects itself from its source will dry up. One more thing I'm going to say is this. I say, your core contains. You see, I'm very excited when I see some of you young men just standing up and preaching. I'm so excited. I don't feel insecure. No matter the anointing you have, I'm your father. 
I was in one place. They, they, they invited a man of God. They said, he's a big man of God. When I came in like this, I was walking dangerously. I walked like this. He said, he said, he said, Kabaza. He was preaching. He said, Kabaza. I waited for me to sit down. Then I cleared my throat. <clears throat> you can continue. <laughs> People, we are shocked. Because, I, I said, is he the one preaching that? They said, yes. I showed up. Hallelujah. Father, show up. One more thing I'm going to say and close. One way you need to look at your call. Look at your call as something that, as something that has eternal significance. Whatever you are doing today will put somebody in hell or heaven. If you have an opportunity to preach, know this. That that message may be the reason why somebody goes to hell. May be the reason why somebody goes to heaven. Many years from now, people are going to be in hell or in heaven because of what you did or what you did not do. Let me say this in closing. You have a ministry of eternal affairs. Don't preach carelessly. Don't handle anything carelessly. You may be the last person somebody's got an opportunity to meet before he goes to eternity. I'm always conscious of that. And therefore, whatever time I'm preaching, I'm preaching like it's going to be my last message. Whatever I'm doing, I do it like it's going to be the last thing I ever did on earth. Why? Because I know somebody is there, out there. Either who, who, who is seated or who hear the tape or who watch the video or who come under the influence of somebody that I'm influencing and affecting for God. My ministry have eternal affairs. Eternal significance. Eternal significance. I went to a city known as Mississauga in um, Canada. I'd never met this pastor before. He was one who told me this testimony. One day I was called to go and preach in a place known as City Temple in London. It was under a church in the UK known as Jesus House. And I can still remember vividly as it was yesterday. This was 1997. And the Lord told me to go on a three-day fast. Fast, I'm breaking the evening. Fast, I'm breaking the evening. Start, I'm breaking the I didn't know why God said that. But I went there that day. After I finished preaching, I laid hands on people. The power of God came on people. There was one of them who was drunk. Very drunk in the spirit. He lay prostrate almost throughout the program. When it was time to go home, they had to carry him. And as we were taking him out, I said, bring him back here. There is something God is going to do through that life. I didn't know why I said that. I laid my hands on him again. From that time in 1996, I'd never heard about this man and I'd never seen this man. But this year, 2004, I went to Mississauga. And this man knelt down before me and said, you don't know, sir. It was that service of that day. And the laying on of your hands upon my life that completely changed my life. He said, today I'm pastor of the church of a thousand people in Canada. Nobody can believe that when you laid your hands on me, I did not even know what the call of God was. He said, but you deposited, you impacted me with something 
I can call the material essence of what has become my life. He said, without any fear, he said, if I ever become anything, sir, it was because of that service of that day and the hands he laid on me. 1996, after you laid your hands on me, he said, I had a feeling that I should go to Canada. I didn't know where I was going there for. I told my wife I was on my way to Canada. And my wife said, well, let me stay back here and see what I will do. He said, I came to Canada. I tried to look for a job. I did not get a job on time. Eventually, I got a job. I was enjoying my job so well. Enjoying my job so well. 1998. A house fellowship started that they told me to take over. There were only 12 people. He said, I took that house fellowship over. He said, I had bought several of your tapes from your London office. I fed myself so fat and so strong. That in those days, even before I had the time to sit down and share this with you, you had so much impacted me that people began to say that I was talking like you and quoting scriptures exactly the way you quote them. He said, I took over this house fellowship of 12 people. He said, within one year, we were 300. He said, nobody gave me a chance that we can ever have a church like that in Mississauga. He said, shortly, sir, before you came, we bought a property of our own, one million dollars. He said, sir, if you have never affected anybody for the, for the kingdom of God, I know this, that if I ever make it to heaven, and the role is called up yonder, and people are called out to carry their reward, say, when I get mine, I will look only for one person, and that's you. What you are doing today, you may never know who is affected. See your work as something that is affecting people beyond the people that you yourself have met. And this story is similar to several stories I've had as I traveled the world. There are men and women who have spoken to me and told me this. In so-and-so service, can you remember? I went to Montreal in Canada. I met a man who is now highly placed in business and ministry. If I call the name, you know him in this country. I didn't know he was in the service. We held this service in 1983. Mainland Hotel in Oyibo. He said, sir, before that time, I did not know my left from my right. I was a Christian, but I was not stable. He said, you looked at me and you said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I break everything holding you back. I release your future and I cause it to be prosperous. He said, before then, I've never had anybody speak like that. He said, when you say those things, he said, I said, well. He said, but shortly after then, I got a job and so on and so forth. He said, sir, I'm in Canada here. I'm a, I'm a millionaire. He said, why you say those things? He said, I said, well. He said, but shortly after that, I got a job and so on and so forth. He said, sir, I'm in Canada here. I'm a, I'm a millionaire. I know you guys will remember. How many people have you met? He said, you met several people. He said, but my children, all of them today are born again Christians. He said, in fact, one of them is a pastor in this church you have come to, sir. He said, everything I can remember, take root from that laying out of hands that you did. He said, I want to bless you. My eyes opened. I said, go ahead and do me good. Do me good. Do me good. I was reaping eternal significance. Anything you do today, you will keep reaping from it, whether in the souls of men or in the hands of men. And the man did me good. Your labor 
is not in vain in the Lord. When I minister to some of you today and I see you, I, I know that I'm not a today person. I'm a tomorrow person. I know that the seed I'm sowing today, I will reap. Let me see the lives I'm going to reap from. If, I'm going to, if your life is going to be anything, let me see it. So that when we meet on the streets of New York, you are now working in Wall Street. You've made money. You not just say, bah, like you're doing now. Because of when you say, bah, bah, say, oh, no. But in future, when you say, bah, bah, you roll down the, the glass of your Cadillac. I say, bah, 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 and then can say, ah, and let me go. Let's go, sir. Let's go. And you take me out to the most exclusive shop. I say, sir. How many of you want to do that? Eternal significance. Stand on your feet and bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Eternal significance. Bless the Lord. Lift up your hands and bless the name of the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Oh, that we may get to the place we are God has in mind for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift up your heart to God. Talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus. Many, many times we do not know where God has called us to, but 